hello and welcome to Tales of the Uncharted, Uncharted Territories. Uh, okay, so we're in the middle of infinite possibilities. Intermission time. Yes. In the middle of, a, of, a, of an exciting trilogy, we have to sort of tide ourselves over until the thrilling conclusion. So uh, this seemed like a good time to... Uh, uh, to do what we always did in the middle of, of uh, uh, these trilogies, which is hop on the internet and 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 distract ourselves with other fellow writing fans. fan fiction, <coughs> speculating <coughs> on the forums. Oh my goodness, I got super excited there. Oh <laughs> yes, lots of that. Um, so I've actually been sitting on some recommendations. I, you remember how I keep asking for fanfic yeah. recommendations, and people did send some, and I've sort of been sitting on them. But for we've not been far, far enough along in the story for them to be safe. Okay. Yeah, or like somebody sent us a book, or we got some magazines yes. to read. But I've been excited for these because today we have uh, three short ficlets. So we'll see how uh, how that is to entertain us. And the first one was sent to us by uh, Kern Zelda. Kern Zelda has written one of the previous fanfics that we've, uh, we've written. Oh, very nice, very yes. Very prolific writer and still active on the uh, the Terra Firma forum boards where you are not allowed, Kay. No, I know, I don't. That's, I sort of feel like like Mufasa pointing out the, the Shadowlands to Simba, not there, not that You don't bit. go to that bit, yes. Yes. Uh, and the, so the first one is, let me see, that's My World by Thea, first published in 2003. Um, which is... Oh, it's on Shriftweb. Yes. The summary is, what if the uniform didn't matter? Oh. First season and uh, UR challenges? What's UR? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> he says, trying to keep his face straight. Yeah. I'm actually... Ooh. I'm, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if maybe I'm going to have to pull the brakes at some point. They've, they've promised me that it's safe for Kay, but um, I'll, I'll either, like... Okay. I'll pull an air horn or, or yell something uh, if, we, yeah. if we have to. Yeah, exactly. And it's a Farscape Friday drabble. Drabble, drabble, drabble. I wonder what that Keep is. Keep coming across that word, yes. Standard cat, car, computer, shoes, books, and student loans. Want them? These are obviously not my characters. Oh, good great. That's a weird disclaimer, but anyway. <laughs> I, uh, think, I think they're describing exactly what lawyers could potentially claim from them. Oh, that sounds about right. Which yes. is about... Sounds about right. Cat, car, computer, shoes, books, yeah. So it's My World by Thea. The uniform may not have fit, but the attitude is snug and comfortable. Mm. The gun rests firmly on her hip, and the pull of muscles in her arms feels so right. Crichton has set the DRDs to give a demonstration of force should it become necessary, oh. and he is standing point, looking a little nervous and overwhelmed by the pulse cannon. But he holds on tight, angling his neck a little to relieve some of the pain in his jaw. <laughs> She didn't think she'd ever have to hit him again after the tavloids, but this was an emergency. The Luxon is in chains, the Hynerian yeah. throneless, and the Delvian chanting mournfully in her cell. Erin blinks, clearing away the distance and thinks to herself, Names. They all have names. They are your comrades. I know where this is. Do you recognize it? Um, not right off. Oh, I bet this is the opening scene of uh, A Bug's Life, mm. when they're dressed up. Aaron and, uh, and John as oh, PKs. Yes, and yes, you've got yes, those commandos. yes. I see what you mean. Yes, that makes sense. The Marauder team enters the base. See, there you go. Yes, oh, look. Yes. Awfully big ship for one little girl, Captain Sun. She tilts her. Mm, I don't think that was. That's probably Lorak. 
Yeah, but he didn't know her name, and she's not a captain because oh, remember well, she, was, she, she oh she said uh, it's a it's a terrible shame that the captain's uniform didn't fit me. No, okay, good point. well let's no, see no. where we go. Uh, captain Sun, she tilts her head. The DRDs fire. Brighton stands his ground, and the illusion holds. She feels the power vibrate through her and can't keep the smile off her face. Larak's mouth on her neck is cool, his hand on her waist tight and bruising. He has none of Crichton's heat, but a touch of the gentleness. Her world, her rules, cool and smooth, and rough sex against the wall of her chamber. She catches the eye of the thieving little Nabari Traalk through the grill, and something clicks into place. She pushes Larak away regretfully. He smiles in understanding. Duty first, and they go off to hunt. Crichton is hanging around the cold, blonde lieutenant. What was her name again? The one with the nice lips, I think he said. (laughs) She's some sort of medical worker, and her lips tighten into whiteness at the news that someone has touched the container. Hassan, that's her name. Oh, yeah. With a signal from from Larak, she explains the situation. Intelligent virus, death, corruption, and Aaron will not be taking her ship to a Freling Gamak base. Wait, I think this is... No, it's the, bugs, it's the uh, intelligent virus, so it must be Bugs Life. Yeah, but I think this is like an alternate telling. I think the, oh, the Captain be. Sun wasn't a mistake because, oh, look. So she punched him. Yeah. Uh, and yet Crichton is standing point. In the, in the original episode, she was standing point. Yes. And then Crichton walked in. So maybe she's wearing the captain's uniform this time. Okay, yeah, let's go with that. Um, where are we? Um, Crichton is close behind her. Oh, yes. Crichton is close behind her. She can sense him, hear his breathing, feel his heat, equal to hers in the Sebastian body. She turns rapidly, forcing her forearm under his neck, slamming him into the wall. But he must have been paying attention during those sparring lessons because he lashes out, kicking and hitting. She falls and he drops to his knees over her, Oh! his body snapping back as the virus passes into him. Rigel comes Zan, who comes running, but it's too late. Crichton and Lorac in the maintenance bay... With the hammer and Colonel's dream and... <laughs> and the pulse cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Crichton and Lorac in the maintenance bay, staring down the barrels of their respective guns. Mexican standoff, says Crichton, and winces as she fires, Lorac's blood splattering him. The body drops to the ground. They fix the cesium leak, sending the remaining two commandos into space. Let's blow this popsicle stand. Let's blow this popsicle stand, says Crichton, <laughs> and she barely bothers to raise an eyebrow at him. Ooh, Whoa. That is short and violent. Yeah. <laughs> what are these drabbles? I love it. Oh, I don't know. It's... Uh, thank you for that recommendation, Kern Zelda. And thank you to, uh, to Thea, who published it in 2003. Uh, we've got another one, also submitted by, uh, by Kern Zelda, uh, from 2011. So I've, I've got the air horn ready once again. This one's called Fun Sun Gun by Feldman. It is not rated, uh, and the creator chose not to use archive warnings. Oh, I wonder if this is related to, do you remember how the first part of uh, Infinite Possibilities, which is called Daedalus Demands, yes. Yes, very good khaki, started off with Erin learning her uh, uh, her letters, yes. learning English words, oh, yes. and the first one was g- uh, n, yes. and the second one was s- uh, n, so maybe they also <laughs> had f- uh, n. Yeah, well, this is set during Nerve or Hidden Memory. Oh, okay. Uh I am Stark, said the Bannock, and right of the bat, keep your side of the cell, stay the hell off my mat. Okay. That seems to be the summary for this story. Uh, Fun Sun Gun by Feltman. 4FBF. 
One hot afternoon in the Gamak Moon base, a Bannock lay napping, a mask on his face. Oh no, this is a poem. Oh dear. <laughs> this Bannock lay napping, when into his cell, a new chump was dumped, who lay where he fell. Who this slumped chump could be, there was no way to tell. This is going a little bit Dr. Seuss. It is. I love it. I love it. <laughs> the chump sprawled out flat on the floor made of stone, and he moaned as the chill seeped up into his bones. The bannock knew now was the time to be firm. At the start was the part for the rules to be learned. <laughs> I am stark, said the bannock, and right off the bat, keep your side of the cell. Stay the hell off my mat. He marked out the cell with a slide left and right. He called out the sides. With a back-and-forth glide, he divided the cell so his side had more light. <sighs> the chump slumped against the cold wall in a ball. The chump had a pal. A pal, sorry. Didn't look good at all. He was awfully impaired. He asked how Stark fared. Love the chair, love the chair. It leaves no wear and tear. This rhyming scheme is brilliant. <laughs> While the chump... God, that's going to be his nickname now, isn't it? <laughs> the chump, yes. While the chump lay passed out, Stark worked on escape and was startled to find the chump watching, agape. Shocked by the eyes of the spy on his hands, and how Stark's grand attempt was dismissed with a pan. The mechanics won't work, so Stark told off the jerk. <laughs> I'm a man with a plan, while you sit on your can. You're not really this mad, perhaps only a tad, said the chump, who was not so much cat as lost lad. Stark replied, when insane there's no so much pain. Sane or no, Stark was alone, after the goons came again. The second time, though, was as bad as the first. It left the lad sadder and looking much worse. This time, when he slumped at the wall of the cell, a voice called out clear like the chime of a bell. It promised escape, should the chump kiss and tell. The chump made it back, alive and astonished. Beyond your endurance, the batnik admonished. Past what he could bear, the lad tried to tell of more pell-mell schemes to break out of this hell. In the well of the cell, the lad couldn't be quelled. Stark was aware of the stare and the panic. The lad was as manic as Scorpius satanic. The bannock knew well the effects of the chair. So he cared for the lad, shared his mat, pet his hair, even dared bare his head and show off what was rare. The light of a sun peeked out from the mask and its warmth eased the lad into quite a long nap. The dull lull interrupted by a yell in the hall, two goons filed in, one well-armed and tall. Her swift rifle butt caused the flunky to fall. The dull lull interrupted by a mole with a gun. Nothing to mull. Pull up and run. Here's a gun. Join the fun. When we're done, freedom won. The chump, it turned out, had his own kind of son. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> and the dedication is for my brother and for Theodore Seuss Geisel for Horton Hears a Who. I love this. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can favorite it any more than this. I wonder if there's any comments on it. I'll no. uh, let you have a look at those and oh uh, yes, avoid, very uh, good. Oh, this interface doesn't doesn't apparently show them, but oh. wow. Um, so thank you to uh, Feldman. Gosh, we're going to have to have a look and see if they've done anything else. Mm. This is brilliant, and thank you to Kern Zelda for recommending it. Uh, speaking of Kern Zelda, the next one is by Kern Zelda. Yes, recommended to us by Mystery Tour Seven, uh, a, a, a listener and uh, who has contributed uh, something recently that we'll uh, we'll see coming up in uh, in upcoming Tales of the Uncharted territories. The tale is called Bannock Drabble. So here we have the Drabbles again, and yeah. it summarizes three Drabbles and a longer piece. 
Notes, there was some speculation on my last I was trying journal. to think if there was some sort of dirty combination there, the three drabbles and a, and a longer piece. Maybe that's what the standard configuration of Mivox is in the galaxy. Could well be. Uh, who knows? I mean, a, 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 pair, a pair and a spare, as they say. <laughs> it was a bit of a stretch. But that's Mivox for you. <laughs> yes. So there was some speculation on my live journal, I assume that's Kern Zelda's, about how Bannix might have evolved. Oh. Astro Girl posted a neat little drabble on her live journal, and I said I'd give it a whirl. Okay, so chapter one, this is one that's sort of divided into chapters. There's a, dis- there's a link to the live journal that I probably should have prepared. Let me, let me see if I can just open that. Um, how did Erin get John into her prowler in Throne for a Loss? This may throw off their idea. Okay. Okay, so there's a, there's a bunch of questions here um, it, on the on the on the live journal, like what canon reason could there be for Nabari to have red gums, tongues, and inner mouths, uh, and do other parts correspond? Rude, um, Delvians dreamed this morning of a weird crossover with Farscape and Angel. Wow, this sounds fantastic. Okay, no, we're not reading the rest of that. I see some words that are not safe. K, okay. um, and I wonder if the ficklet. Astro Girl had so a... I can't actually find it, because I click on chapter one and it just drops me back in the same page and there's nothing there. Yes, but there's there's a few uh, links on that chapter one. So chapter one says summary, back yeah. discussion, and then there's two links underneath. Oh, and... Uh, yeah, and so the avoid the first one. I'm going to yes. take a look at that ficklet. Yeah, let's let's start with that one. So uh, first we're going to start off with Astro Girl's little ficklet. Okay. Uh, and it's from 2004, and it's called uh, Union. Yes, I have it here. Okay. All right. Airhorn's ready, because it's from 2004. Uh, yeah, we're really in the uncharted territories now, oh, aren't damn. we? Oh, damn. Yes, we are. <laughs> so, Union. Stark's people have a legend. Once, it says, there were two races. The first were beings of pure energy, disembodied spirits with cold, glittering minds and no concept of beauty or pleasure or love. Ooh. The second were creatures of flesh, Soulless and barely capable of thought, but deeply, sensually alive in a way the first race could only dimly comprehend. The legend doesn't tell how it happened, whether there was conscious thought behind it or sheer historical accident. But, however it happened, there came to be a joining between them, a melding, a symbiosis, a holy marriage of body and spirit, and the children of that marriage were the first of the Bannock people. Flesh and energy, energy and flesh, one and inseparable and whole. He thinks back on this story as he holds the sleeping Zan and contemplates joining himself, flesh and mind and spirit, to a creature so very alien to him. The thought of it makes him smile. And uh, th- that's the conclusion. And she, yeah. she, she finishes with, uh, uh, actually, I'd still like to see somebody else do something with this idea, as I seem to have pretty much skipped over all the actual interesting specifics. <laughs> so that must be where these drabbles come from. Oh. Okay, so uh, this is about... Uh, this Kern Zelda's responses, that's what these drabbles are, I guess, um, to to sort of delve into Bannock evolution. Mm. Okay. Uh, the first one is called Stay, um, originally posted in 2004. Okay. Oh, they are really short. Here we go. The first moment shocks. Brutal impact against hosts' dull consciousness slide into darkness. Emerge, struggle to comprehend nerves, organs, ceaseless sensory input. See with physical eyes, smell, hear, touch, taste. Stardust fades to memory. Dew-cooled grass blushes against war- brushes against warm skin. Blood pumps through veins. Breath fills mouth and nose. 
Lungs expand, force out laughter. Folds of skin and cartilage capture it. Tiny bones vibrate to bring it back inside. Lips curve, softer than fingers, tickle against shades of green, more shades than have names. The host's feeble mind is unworthy of its marvelous physical shell. Stay, just for a while. Ah. Ooh, that's fun! Very nice. That kind of uh, ties in what with uh, part of the stuff that, said, that it says in the uh, role-playing book about uh, Bannocks, how the uh, oh. how the children uh, children born to Bannocks are like first born in the spiritual realm in the energy state and then after yeah. after about a year they're the with help of the parents they are guided into a body it's a sort of coalescing yes so Ooh, that that's kind of, cool that kind of uh, touches on that all right all right on to the next one i'm, yes. I'm curious about these now all right chapter uh, three sins of the flesh temptation explore bodiless ever uh, explore edit 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 temptation Explore bodiless every astral plane, yet flesh compels. Frail beings bound to planets, you taste from curiosity and grow drunk on raw sensation. Challenge. Dip inside. Feel. Bend flesh and bone around you. Choose to awaken the tiny mind. Share awe at its gifts. Leave when joining threatens your fragile host. Game. Crack a soul. Tease out secrets, test perceptions, force adrenaline through straining bodies, stretch muscles past tolerance. Nothing is beyond your will. Bond. Caress the small mind. Show it wonders. Accept its awe, its gratitude. Ride with a light touch. Rest in acceptant flesh. Stay when invited. Ah. Ooh. That almost sounds like a weird kind of possession. Yeah, right. I think that's what the uh, uh, what Kern Zelda is exploring, that these first... Um, meldings were possessions of this right. right more primitive sort of animal body, mm. and then these are like the I guess sort of phases that one of these energy beings goes through as it's uh, as it's bonding. That seems to make sense. Yeah. Right, it's a, it's a bit of a challenge. There's a there's a bit of a game, uh, and eventually a bond. Oh, this is excellent. Next chapter uh, called pairing. Eyes are glowing. Lean points out bending to retrieve the basket. Harold, the light flow of energy withdraws. My star soul wraps warmly under my skin. Lean smiles at me. Stanna, don't stand there staring. Give Harold something to touch. Harold laughs with me when my wife thrusts the basket into my hand. It's wicker, rough green strands, blue eggs inside, warm and smooth. Harold flares with the light. Lean takes my arm and we walk back to the house. I stop and turn towards her. When we draw back, a little breathless from kissing, I laugh again. Your eyes are glowing. Oh. <sighs> oh. Oh. I wonder if this is the perspective of the the, the sort of the, the physical bodies. Probably, yeah. And then I guess that glowing eyes would be like that bright, shiny sun from the... Right, that this is that this is their acceptance of a, a of yeah. an energy of an energy being of sort of merging, and then they see this about each other. Okay, so last chapter is a little bit longer. Ah, good. Chapter five, birth. The village waited in silence. Men working stolidly in fields. Women gathered at Juno's house. Hoarse screams racked the air, shimmering <laughs> in the dry summer heat. Oh, sorry, not that horse. No. Okay. With the first shrill cries, Juno's man burst into the birthing room. The women formed baffles, barricades. I must see, he insisted, pale and sweating, trying to look past the brown wall. 
Junu lay white and wasted on the bed, dark hair lank and wet, a bundle laid on her breast held her gaze. The women finally parted, and slowly filed from the bedroom. Yemib licked his lips and glanced at the village midwife as she shut the door behind them. Is... is Junu... His eyes fell at her silent nod. A trembling hand reached for the wrapping and drew it back. Soft keening rose in Junu's throat, then faded away. The baby's skin glowed, not everywhere, but in ripples and patches, golden waves spilling out endlessly. Yemip's star soul writhed in agony, jumped free of him with a shock of separation. Whoa. Jolik danced around the infant, lights flaring in erratic colors and brightness. It spread itself like a blanket above Junu. Her eyes flew up with desperate need, only to fall as it re-merged with Yemib. It fed him the mindless contentment of the child, the fa- flat touch of Junu's suddenly halved soul. Niyama is gone, whispered Yemib. Within him, the star soul that had been his other half since youth curled itself tight, cutting off the link that had never been closed before. He sank down to the edge of the bed, took his, wife limp's, took his wife's limp hand in his. The star soul has merged with the child's flesh whispered a soft voice behind him. They are not one and one together. He is one alone. A calloused hand took a hard grip on Yemib's shoulder. The midwife waited until his blank face turned towards her. Junu may recover. Her star soul came later than most. She might remember how to live alone. But Niyama is in our... our son? He, the midwife had said. It is not Niyama anymore. The hand squeezed harder. It is only your son with one soul, a star soul. Others have survived, they're rare and troubled, with star soul perceptions in mortal bodies. Yemib, your son, will be Stykera, one who sees. Oh! Oh, There we go. He looked at Juno's exhausted slack face and at the child beginning to feebly wave its tiny fists, light spilling out like water. One who sees, he repeated, and lowered his head into his hands. Whoa. Whoa! Okay, so that's a really interesting life cycle. Yeah. So for most Bannocks, this this combination of physical and, and, and spiritual is sort of like the trill in Star Trek. Right, yeah, symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. And with, a, with a host and a passenger, I guess. Yeah. Um, but occasionally, a child is born with whom the, the mother's uh, passenger just merges. Merges, yes. Or that might just be the start of the the, the Bannock earned. Uh, I mean, this is all speculative uh, fiction. Oh, of course, of course. Of course. Yes. But this seems to be specifically about the Stykera, which mm. is which is rare among, uh, yes. among Bannocks, and that's uh, uh, and that's Stark. He has the right. Yeah, he has senses and abilities that regular Bannocks don't. This is fascinating. Okay, yeah. I'm, uh, like it's 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 hard to resist the temptation to sort of plunge into this um, and go nerding out about how it's. I uh, know. <laughs> See, okay, this is exactly what we needed to tide us over until uh, until next week, when we'll be discussing uh, Season 3, Episode 15, Infinite Possibilities, Part 2, Icarus Abides. Yeah, that's yes. the one, Icarus Abides. Thank you for joining us for Tales of the Uncharted Territories. Bye-bye. 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 Has anybody asked yet what that means? <laughs> Nobody. No, <Nope>, they just <laughs> accept it. Oh, how about this for outro music? She gives me a Wait, wooden. no, not that one. She gives you Sorry, wait, no stop. Words. I meant, that's a weird one to end on. I meant, right. I meant this well, one. Okay, here we go. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Bye-bye. See, that works. Yeah, it does.